thank you for joining Paul Bartlett for Rethink It, the podcast that pushes the boundaries of thinking about leadership and life in a world that is thinking less about church. Well, today I have Andy Goulet, or should I say Boss Frog, joining me on my Rethink It podcast. Andy, of course, is the founder and director of Red Frogs Australia, a global support network program that provides direct relief from alcohol and drug-related illnesses amongst young people. Andy, thanks for joining me today. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Now, listen, just for those who may not know, I, I would find that hard to believe, but maybe they don't, give us the the a short version on what Red Frogs is. Yeah, Red Frogs is uh, Australia's favourite party crashes, if you could say that. Like it's a harm prevention, <laughs> early prevention uh, program uh, that's uh, run through uh, over 390 different churches all around Australia. And it focuses on um, keeping people, young people safe in um, schoolies week celebrations, music festivals, university parties, sporting events, bicycle after parties, skate parks and, and any other event where shenanigans can get up. They get up to shenanigans and, you know, you can't have enough designated sober guys. And um, we, find, we find the churches in general are more sober than not. So uh, they tend to be a great asset out of those big parties. That's uh, a great thing. Now, I've heard it on the grapevine that you are known as the chess master and uh, you don't mind a game of chess. How on earth does that uh, play out and I even see on social sometimes you are at some red frog events and you are you know taking on the local chess master well mates it's uh yeah I, I learned chess when I was in year five and uh then my old man taught me an opening strategy which I haven't uh, wavered from and uh it's a way that um I, I love chess and I connect with uni students playing chess but also at schoolies uh the culture's changed down there a lot we're probably um, 40, 50% are big drinkers. So we end up in, in hotel rooms just playing Uno and Mario Kart. But as soon as I heard Boss Frog plays chess, all the schools get their number one chess tournament legends out and burst the Boss Frog. So literally in the park at Byron Bay, I was surrounded by 50 drunk schoolies with a chess board on this table, having this smackdown tournament against three versus one. And the police thought there was something going on. So the police rush over. What's going I on? I think there's a file. playing chess at Byron Main Park. They were just scratching their heads going, <laughs> what is happening to this generation? So, uh, yeah, look, I've got um, – uh, and then it's generational. Last year I, I had this uh, schoolie uh, from Terrace, a private school in Brizzy. Um, what a verse me. He phoned the Red Frog hotline and says, Boss Frog there, I want a verse me in chess. Because I'd beaten his brother two years previous and he wanted to restore the family honour. Uh, so, mate, uh, yeah, chess is... And I've actually got a group called Checkmates. And we really? every Tuesday night at a cafe in Brizzy and uh, we have anyone just rocks up, plays chess and hangs out. So, mate, uh, chess is up there with skateboarding and surfing for me, mate. It's one of my uh, weapons of mass destruction. I th- it's funny because, uh, like, do you let them win or you just go for it, man? You're going to win that chess game. No, I smash them, mate, and uh, <laughs> no, they, they've got to earn their right to beat me, for sure. And uh, yeah. I was playing a really good player at schoolies, but he was quite drunk, and he's yeah. quite a few levels above me. And I was doing well, but the game went for an hour and a half, and he started sobering up and then started beating me, mate. So I, I do well against drunk schoolies, not so well against non-drug schoolies. Uh, did you watch, uh, I think I watched some of it, um, 
the Queen's Gambit. Did you watch that? I mean, it's a bit of a wild movie, but did Abs. you like that? Yeah, it's a great series. And uh, look, that went wildfire through that uh, young adult generation too. So that's actually revamped the whole chess scene. So the last couple of years because of that series, uh, yeah, look, chess has taken off, uh, particularly around that 18 to 25-year-old uh, age group. And it's a, such a strategy strategy game. We've got, I'm chuckling for the Queens and Reds, and there's quite a few of the boys that play. Yeah, uh, right. The strategy guys uh, love it. So it's a... Uh, yeah, no, that's funny, isn't it? Hey, that's a good thing about getting old, mate, hey? Which is, uh, you know, the stuff you played when you were young, if you just have hold on to it long enough, they uh, it becomes popular again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. After the age of 45, though, you start losing some of your sharpness, apparently, at that tie level. So, Andy, you are a strange mix of person, aren't you, really? Let me go there for a moment. You were an accountant. You started Red Frogs. You... Uh, love chess, but you skateboard. I know that when you've come and spoke at our church, you know, because I'm, you know, definitely old. After church, I go home and sleep like most normal people. But you grab a bunch of the guys and go skateboarding at U Wollongong Uni. Uh, how do you get the energy, mate? Oh, mate, I think that um, people really revive me. I think some of the heavy lifting stuff is some sometimes we do in our organisations and churches and all the back-end work we do is, is quite laboursome and, and really can, uh, can wear you down, you know, day after day, just doing the engine room stuff. But to get out to the coalface, to do the why, to what you're doing, it, that really refreshes you. So I think that I probably wouldn't have the longevity in Red Frogs of 25 years uh, in, in this line of work if I didn't keep dropping into the uni party or the uni res or the yeah. festival or the schoolies week. And it's great now because I do none of the setup work. I just drop in for half an hour, drink coffee, play chess, and then leave, mate. So it's, uh, I do <laughs> the best. Now, but it's a great, it's actually a great leadership thought, Andy, I think, because, um, you know, in all spheres, no matter if it's church minister or even just leadership life, for example, I was in the building, building industry years ago. And what they were, I saw a strange thing happen. They'd take the most excellent carpenter. And because he was great at carpentry, they'd make him the project manager, but then he would stifle and not succeed, right? And I think what you've done is you've been able to stay in your sweet spot, what keeps you passionate, because I'm sure the organisation, you know, you, of course you're, you know, the CEO, I guess it's at that level, but you've recognised, listen, guys, to, to keep me fresh here, locking me away in an office or putting me in front of... Uh, media all day long is not what's going to make this thing tick for me. It's quite, it's quite an art. You said that quite easily, but I think a lot of people miss that. Would you agree? Oh, 100%, Paul. That's a spot on the money. You've got to stay in your lane. Uh, find what your lane is and just stay in it. If you go outside your lane, um, you're running someone else's race and that's very tiresome and it wears you down. And uh, finding your lane is so important. And then also just getting others around you that can do, that's, oh, I call it staffing your weakness, uh, putting people in place that, that what's their lane and joining those lanes together to make a really good running track in, in that process. But no, staying in your lane is so important. And also keeping that passion alive, you just mentioned passion, that's such a key thing. I mean, um, with a fire, you've got to keep throwing new logs on or it goes cold. Quite often, if you lose your passion, you're stuffed. Oh, I reckon, you know, I think Steve Irwin was onto something, mate. He, kept fueling his passion and maybe he reformed uh, yeah. the whole conservation industry globally. 
and it wasn't for his intellect of the animal kingdom or his great no. knowledge of workplace health and safety, was it? So it was very yeah, really, so, yeah, great yeah. leadership thought. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've also thought too over the years, I think God uses your passion. So I've always thought Psalm 37 uh, talks about that God will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, we often think our passion is our passion, but I think they're God-given and God uses passion to keep you in something or to move you away into something new. So in other words, one of the one of the ways you know it's time to rethink what you are currently in is you can see a passion emerging in another area or another space. And I think that's the way God leads you from one thing to the next. Uh, so it's a good thought. Hey, rethinking community engagement. Uh, you know, you do it. I've been known a little bit for it over the, over the years as well. I keep getting called the community engagement guy and I keep looking over my shoulder. I'm trying to work out who they're talking about. But I think we've definitely had to rethink a lot of things over the years. Talk to me about your experience, community engagement, both uh, with Red Frogs, but organisationally. What have you had to rethink in community, community engagement space over the, even the last 20 years? Yeah, well, culture changes continually and culture is evolving and, and reforming and changing. So things you did 20 years ago may, might drift from where culture is heading. And you've got to stay in, in touch and really know the people group you're trying to assist or know the area or culture you're trying to reach out to or create programs in. So one of the, the keys in that community engagement is start keeping your finger on the pulse and understanding uh, the people you're creating programs for. What are the needs? And my, th my thing is just see need, meet need. But you need to go see it. You need to get out in it and understand it. And uh, like for a skate park, we've got a, a program called Skate Park Shepherds. And um, there's 1,764 skate parks in Australia. And our goal is to have one person adopt every skate park and become the shepherd of that skate park. But again, unless you go out to your local skate park, you don't understand what's the demographic. Is it young parents with young kids? Is it older kids? Is it scooter riders? Is it rollerbladers? You know, heaven help us if it's rollerbladers, you know, but is it <laughs> skaters? You know, no, you've got to know your demographic and know, and what, what ethnic background, you know, are they first generation Aussies, you know? And so you really need to know who you're actually trying to reach out to. So I think the culture shifts and evolves and the landscape of Australia shifts and evolves. And I think being really on it and in it is so important to always say that you can't change culture outside in. You've got to change culture inside out. You've got to be in it to, to make a change, not out. And I think, see a lot of programming from uh, a lot of different organisations as well, not just churches, but it's very an outside-in approach rather than an inside-out approach. And I think that, that's such a key to community engagement. I think you're right. Uh, one of the things I know I've seen you guys rethink and do as you've evolved as Red Frogs, we've done it as well, which is trying to head upstream a bit. You know, obviously there's coalface stuff, so there's, you know, all the things you described today. But uh, Red Frogs has also gone a bit further upstream and got yourself into schools and you've started to teach about uh, the, the effects of drug and alcohol, how to how to have a good schoolies without getting yourself in danger, et cetera, et cetera. How important is the go upstream concept when it comes to community engagement? Oh, 100%. You're getting ahead of the curve rather than, than um, following it and seeing trends emerging like online gambling, for instance, uh, with the normalisation of gambling through the gambling industry, 
of young people where they've totally taken over. A bit like what Benson and Hedges and Winfield in the 70s, they, they dominated the media landscape to really to, to go after the young market. The gambling industry has done the same thing. So I think having uh, more programs and more education around gambling, also the increase in trends in drug use, uh, moving from alcohol to drugs, and then also mental health and trends in there. And I guess uh, doing your research and trying to stay ahead of the curve and looking at building even, you're looking at what's missing with young people, why is mental health a big issue and that lack of resilience to cope with things. So how do we build resilience? How do we have education seminars that are really targeting resilience in young people? So getting ahead, looking at what's causing it, what, what's the root cause, not don't just react to the issue, but what's actually driving the issue and get ahead of that curve is so important. Yeah, it's good. Or well, talking about uh, red frogs, it obviously directly targets young people. How do you challenge the way people think about our young people today? And secondly, how can the body of Christ rethink influencing their culture? What are some of the shifts there? Yeah, first of all, the first one, I guess, the old, older generation to the new generation. I was actually speaking at a Rotary Club on the Sunshine Coast a couple of nights ago, and um, mainly all seniors there. And uh, their, their view of school is, is, oh, it's out of control and kids, you know, running amok, da-da-da. But I went through the stats and said, well, no, it's it's toolies that get arrested, not the schoolies. And 50% are big drinkers now, and they're looking after their mates. And just to be able to educate them on the facts so we don't just take media at face value. Media is such a narrow bottleneck built on sensationalism. But unfortunately, people believe it. They, they, they don't go out and actually, well, what is the truth? And seek the truth, not just accept what they're told or accept what they're just hearing on some uh, random podcast, unlike yours, mate, which is so factual and brilliant. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, but you've got to really dig into things. You don't just take things at face value. So I think that education for older people is so important or to understand, well, what is what are the trends in this young generation? But also, too, how it can influence our culture. There's a really, really simple way to do that. Just be available. We're too busy. We're so busy yeah. just building our own little castles and program yeah. life and we don't we don't we're not available for this young generation to make a difference and even three hours a week and that's what i was so thankful for when i was studying accounting and then working as an accountant i just go three hours of my week to rock up to my local skate park and take kids skateboarding and that created this amazing pathway into red frogs but it's the power of little and i think that um if, if we can master the power of little just three hours a week consistency and three hours a week it'll be an absolute game changer for our nation. Doing something's always better than nothing. So I think it's actually really simple to influence our culture, just get there, do anything. Yeah. For me, it's a chess set and a skateboard. For you, it could be a love for IT and basketball or knitting and yeah. sewing. I mean, I saw this great group in Melbourne, uh, Paul, and uh, they, there's, there's a knitting club down there and they call it Chicks with Sticks at this uh, Baptist church and they knit all these uh, hoodies to these young kids actually in the Ukraine that are still suffering from the Chernobyl disaster many years later because in winter it gets really cold over there and they do, it's a knitting ministry, you know, wow. just being a weapon every week with those knitting needles makes such a difference. So it's really do anything, be available is such a, is just how you influence. It's fair to say we might 
overthink community engagement sometimes? I mean, you've championed it in such a simple way. I've heard you say many times, just do the little, whatever's in your hand, which is critical. You also described something there that you do all the time that you probably haven't noticed. And that is you're really a listener more than you are a talker. Um, like when you get amongst the culture, I would say as we're rethinking church in terms of post-pandemic, one of the standout things for me is that the church needs to become more of a listening culture than a telling culture. And you can't listen from a platform. You can only listen, like you say, when you're in the circle, when you're amongst people, which is kind of what Jesus did anyway, right? Like, you know, if, if you were to just take a snapshot of all that Jesus did, he did his work amongst people, didn't he, all the time. And I love the, uh, the message version of John 1.14. It says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I think when we're thinking community engagement, a lot of people, even churches, don't engage because they can't think of the program they want to do. Yeah. Uh, take our church, like Lighthouse like Youth Housing. We took young people off the street for 25, 30 years. We put hundreds of young people through our program. You know how that started? That started because I wandered down the mall every day while I was a youth pastor because I figured youth pastors shouldn't have an office and sit there staring at the wall. And I just sat in the mall and suddenly noticed that, oh, there's all these young people at school day. Why aren't you in school? Got chatting, invited them back for a bit of pinball and pool. That's how old I am. And uh, from there, I realized they were homeless. But I would not have known that if I'd gone and sat in the mall for hours on end. Yeah, that's spot on. Uh, that's yeah, and also that, that's a great point on listening too, and not, not only listening, but hearing. We sometimes will come in with a preconceived idea, and, um, and, but, but it's really about li listening, but also hearing what the need is. Yeah. In your I recommend it every, I say this to senior pastors, they don't like it, of course, but because we all love a good tithe, I say to senior pastors, if you are working 40 or 50 hours a week in your church, what if you tithed 10% of your time and did a community volunteer role. So what if you did four hours a week, or if you're working 50 hours, do five hours a week where you join the Rotary Club, mm. you, you know, you, you go down or just sit in the mall and talk to people or, I mean, I think it was those moments when I was uh, walking through the mall, albeit probably eavesdropping on uh, conversations, where I started to get this sense, well, I think I'm supposed to be the pastor of my city, not the pastor of my church. And, uh, Actually, I felt it was in those times that I fell in love with my city and I, I, I was hearing the, the pain, the anguish, the loneliness. And my experience is, too, mate, and I'm sure it's yours, is you know, I hear a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit and we often hear in church world, we hear the Holy Spirit is, you know, you'll notice him when somebody falls over on an altar call, for example. But for me, in community spaces, I just see the Holy Spirit everywhere in loneliness, uh, just like in Genesis, it says the Holy Spirit hovered over darkness. It's been my revelation over the years that if you're looking for the Holy Spirit, he's hovering over empty spaces. And you can only find them really outside your church in the community. Yeah, spot on, mate. Mother Teresa might have been on to something, you reckon, mate? Yeah, I reckon, yeah, she seemed to know a little bit about community engagement. Hey, last thought, mate. World has changed radically. And, you know, obviously, we're all a bit sick of talking about the pandemic and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, we've rethought everything in terms of how we engage. What, what, are, what are you doing globally? There's, you know, uh, we saw the emergence of the Ukraine 
war, uh, on top of uh, a whole range of mental health issues for people generally. Where do you see Red Frogs positioned globally over these next couple of years? Yeah, it's been amazing. Even through the pandemic, we started Red Frogs in France. Yeah, um, right. You know, even in the middle of it, all the lockdowns. Um, what do they do? Croissants or cheese and wine or something? <laughs> no, they can't do wine. It's Red Frogs. Yeah. What are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, true, true. Croissants and cheese, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I know a young bloke named Yannick over there in Montpellier um, had a, came out of the party scene and wanted to, you know, reach back into that with his mates. He came out of the drugs and alcohol and he wanted to reach back in and found frogs uh, just online and just chased us down. And we got his uh, church involved and got some other crew involved in Montpellier. And then a UK guy came over as soon as the lockdown lifted and did some training and did their first music festival. And now they've done six since. It's amazing. And uh, UK is getting up and going again. Uh, Canada is still... Uh, you know, semi-locked down and in South Africa, though, is still struggling. Like, obviously, the pandemic's still affecting that very severely, that nation. But US is, uh, or US is just, they don't even think anything's happened. Um, <laughs> yes, what COVID? Uh, we're doing frat houses over there, but uh, we did our first high school seminar just uh, two weeks ago in the US as well. So, yeah, there's some amazing things happening globally as well. Um, and also New Zealand is just opening up uh, again. And, uh, yeah, so, again, it's, it, it's, it's all still there. People are still there. And this the biggest revelation from the pandemic is we're not, even though we work in a lot of events and crash a lot of events, we're actually not in the event business. We're in the people business. And yeah. people are always there, regardless of the situation. People are always there. And I'd be really proud of the teams in, in uh, pivoting into how to do that, whether it be online chat groups or care packs for residential colleges. And the teams have just done amazing work globally in adjusting to being focused on people. So I think yeah. you're always going to win if you're focusing on people and not programs. Programs yeah. are to assist people. Programs are secondary. People are first. Yeah. I always say to people um, that if you want to uh, reach young adults and youth, then Red Frogs is the pathway. For us, it's been always been the most successful thing our church has done to be that bridge to that, uh, that generation. And we continue to do so in New South Wales for the ACC, because we've now, uh, we employ somebody in that space as well. It's a phenomenal. Well, it's been great today to have the boss frog, Andy Goulet, with us. And we appreciate you, mate, and all that you're doing. And I look forward to catching up with you again sometime on maybe another Rethinker podcast. Mate, great podcast. Highly recommend it to all the listeners. Keep tuning in. You're a legend, mate. And uh, thanks for your, all your amazing support for the Red Frogs. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Rethink It. For more, visit rethinkit.com.au. That's re-thinkit.com.au. Or follow Paul on Instagram at Paul E. Bartlett. Thank you.